Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Hey, C3 family, wonderful to see you. Uh, my name is Mark Kelsey, and today we have got this, doing this message together on the book of James, and we're going to focus in on James chapter 4, verse 13 to 5, 12. And really, uh, the book of James has so much great content and incredible wisdom to us, and we really are focusing in on this whole issue of wisdom. Uh, and James contrasts through, uh, through his book on the difference between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. And boy, if we need anything in this current day, in what's happening in our world, a world filled with tension, conflict, polarized ideology, uncertainty, we need wisdom. And thank God that the Word of God provides that for us. In fact, James says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask for it. Ask God for it. Not sure about you, but there are many times I've lacked wisdom and many, many times I've asked for wisdom. In fact, one of the key pieces of wisdom I had, first pieces of wisdom I had was I didn't have any wisdom and I needed to ask God for it. In fact, probably one of the most regular prayers in my life is God give me wisdom. And so we're going to dive deep into this particular passage of Scripture today and hopefully this will be of value and help you, particularly in this area. It's interesting, wisdom is a central part of our understanding of the gospel. Paul talks about in Ephesians 1.17, and he's talking to the Ephesian church, of course. He says, I keep asking, and I love that, I keep asking, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that we can actually receive a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation so that we understand God better, we understand the word better. What a powerful thing that is, that it's not just on a natural level, but on a spiritual level and a supernatural level, God can give us that spirit. And boy, we need that. You know, James essentially wants the church, I believe, as we unpackage the book of James, to be living what he calls true religion. We'll read, we read that in James 1.27. And I believe that James breaks up what true religion is throughout the scriptures there. Uh, in James 1.22 to 23, he says, we are to be hearers and doers of the word. Not just hearers, but also doers of the word. And later on in James 2, he says, we should exercise faith and works. And I love this combinations that, that James gives us, hearers and doers, faith and works. The combination of those two things, I believe, helps us live out true religion, religion that is not, uh, isn't hypocrisy, religion that is not double standard, but religion that actually is spiritual and natural, that is a connection with God, but also a value to the world we live in, which is great. Okay, so today, this passage we're going to cover three areas of wisdom that are applicable in our lives. Number one, how to prioritize God's will. Number two, understanding the responsibility of wealth. And thirdly, learning to patiently endure. 
Boy, that's a challenge. Okay, so we're going to go through these one by one. The first one, prioritizing God's will. And we read about this in James 4, verse 13 to 17. Let me read it for you today. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Wow. <laughs> Once again, here we see James is a straight shooter. So here he's talking about this whole concept that really is about prioritizing what God wants for our lives. Right from verse 13, he says, now listen, I believe this is definitely a season in which we should be doing more listening than speaking. Uh, in fact, he talks about that in James 1.19, be quick to listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And so I think that combination is very, very relevant for today. And of course, if we're quick to listen, then we're, we are less presumptuous regarding God's will for our lives. And in verse 14, what he's saying there is ultimately, we really don't know what's going to happen to us for our lives. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after. We may guess or think or, or anticipate what it is, but ultimately what we need to do is trust that God's will will come to pass and we give our lives into, into his heart and plans for that. In fact, in Proverbs 16, 13, it talks about that. Basically, submit your plans, submit your steps to God. And he will ultimately direct our paths. So the question we probably should be asking at James' inspiration is this. What do you want, Lord, for my life, for my marriage, for my family, for my business? Giving it to him, committing it to him is really the encouragement that James is giving us. Wow. Such a contrast to the current worldview. Because current worldview is more like a me philosophy, which is self-focused, individualistic and consumer-based, whereas the biblical philosophy or the biblical worldview is quite different. Others-focused, community, con being a contributor. And so as we, as we commit our life to God and prioritize His will, then we are really living out a biblical worldview or a biblical philosophy, which I believe helps anyone and people that we live around. So James's basic simple conclusion in this little passage is James 1.17. Basically, know the good, know the good to do, and just go and do it. If you know what is right, if you know the good, just go and do it. Simple. I love it, which is great. Okay. So that's prioritizing God's will. Commit your way. Commit your plans. Commit all the things that you may think will happen or you'd like to see happen. Say, God, whatever you want, I submit it to you. And then he will guide and direct your paths, which is great. Okay, number two. Wow. Understanding the responsibility of wealth. Let me read this passage to you. It's James 5, first six verses. It says here, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Wow. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded. 
Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. My gosh, he doesn't mince words here at all. James really, in many ways, his life was a mission to correct the ungodly attitudes of the wealthy. In fact, ultimately, in the end of his days, the high priest got him martyred because of his stance in this, in this area. So he, he certainly took it seriously. And look, this is a very, very strong piece of scripture. But first of all, let me say this. This passage is not criticizing wealth. God has no problem with wealth. It is addressing the bigger issues that wealth sometimes can bring, which are these greed, corruption, disregard for the poor and injustice. Jesus addressed the very same issues and kingdom attitude to money in Matthew 6 verses 19 to 21 and talks about similar things. My conviction is this, as I read James and and meditate on that and read that passage in Matthew 6, that money is meant to move. It's not meant to be stationary and corrode and rot and rust. Money has purpose. Money is meant to move. Well, where is it meant to move? I believe money is meant to move in three directions. Number one, to whom it is owed. And James talks about this. In other words, to the workers. If money is owed to someone, it's meant to move to them. And of course, this is integrity. Super important. The second direction is money is meant to move to the poor. Socially, politically, financially disadvantaged people. Money is meant to move to the poor. And this is justice. And the third area and third direction that money is meant to move to is money is meant to move to the vision. So kingdom expansion can happen and this is generosity. So money is meant to express integrity, justice, and I believe generosity. It's interesting that in these days, the wealthy people that James was talking to, they were the oppressors and and workers would do work for them and they wouldn't pay them. Well, back then, you pity well, other than the wealthy, the, the, the rest of society would work a day's wages and that money they would take and go and, and buy food for that day. And if they were, weren't given money for, what they were, for the work they did that day, they would starve or go hungry. And so these were very, very real issues uh, that were applicable in that time. John Mark Comer uh, challenges the readers of one of his great books basically to live simply and to live generously. I love that, to live simply and to live generously. Because unjust wealth, James says, hoards, is self-indulgent and causes destruction. And I believe as New Testament believers, that we need to understand the value of wealth in its kingdom perspective and to use it for good, for God and for great things. And uh, what a great encouragement, as straight as that is from James. It is awesome. Okay, the third thing that I believe James unpackages in in this passage of Scripture is this. Learning to patiently endure. Probably one of the greatest challenges of the human soul is endurance, particularly endurance with patience. 
And he, I believe he covers two main areas, in the, particularly in the area of the context that he's talking about, is that patience towards God, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and patience towards one another. But first, let me read this passage that he uses to talk about this subject. Okay, verse 7 of James chapter 5. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. That's quite a while. In other words, that's to the end of our lives. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because of the Lord is because the Lord's coming near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So he's addressing so many areas, but I believe one of the first things he's talking about is that we need to be patient towards God. It's like, it's like there are seasons that God is working with us and for us and in us in our lives. And part of the patience towards God is, Lord, I know this season will change. It will turn from winter to spring. It will turn. The, the season may be a, a tough season that you're in right now. Trust the Lord and that season uh, will, it will, it will change. It will move forward. And, of course, the, the endorsement here and the encouragement here from James is trust God and that season will shift. I believe as we grow in faith, we must also grow in trust towards God. If faith represents taking a hold of the things of God, of believing, stepping forward, stepping out, trust represents letting go, submitting, waiting patiently for the Lord. And it's this tension, if you like, between faith and trust. And we've heard many great messages and endorsements and encouragements about faith, which we need to keep hearing. But we also, I believe, need to hear messages on trust because there are times, uh, so there are times to grab a hold of something and there are times to let go. I love the scripture in Psalm 106, verse 13. But they soon forgot what he had done. In other words, the faithfulness of God in the past and did not wait for his plan to unfold. God has a plan. He has a good plan. He has a great plan for you. But it takes patient endurance to see that plan unfold. A handful of years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with a, a, a cancer. It was a serious form of cancer. And it was one of those things that I did not receive a quick or instant miracle. It has sub subsequently been resolved and I no longer have cancer, cancer in my body, praise God. But there were quite a long time in which the, the workings of God, obviously I was working with doctors, I, was, I had surgery, there were things happening and I, I exercised my faith, but I found myself also needing to exercise trust in God as I patiently waited for his, for his goodness, for his plan to outwork in my life. Uh, and I believe that actually caused me to grow uh, in my faith, grow in my, my patience and grow in my character before God. So here we see again, once again, this tension between faith and trust. The second type of patient endurance, I believe, is patient, patience towards one another. 
In many ways, this may be more challenging or just as challenging as our patience towards God. But what does this mean? What is patience towards one another? Well, in spite of differences, conflicts, opinions, and even injustice, we need to exercise patience towards one another, particularly within the church. We are brothers and sisters within that family of God, united under the one God, the one Messiah, in a new family. The book of Ephesians says we are one new humanity. Under that new family, we're brothers and sisters with these differences. And, and, and we are called to be patient with one another uh, within those differences. The New Testament exhortations in this arena are very, very clear. I'll give you many scriptures, but just going to quote you one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. God wants our lives to be the, to build one another up. It's interesting that right now, uh, I believe the keyboard on our computers has become the new tongue. It has become the thing that, that expresses and, and engages with one another. And, 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 and earlier on in the book of James, he talks about the tongue as this unwieldy, force that can bring life and death that can cause damage and in many ways the keyboard has become that new form uh, of tongue that has causes damage and cuts people and causes harm and brings division etc social media if used inappropriately has actually reinforced division and tribalism i believe there's a huge benefit to social media by the way but it's when it's used inappropriately uh, that it causes damage because uh, here's the thing we are called and meant to build peace. As believers, that's what we're called to do. We receive grace, but we're meant to build peace with one another. We receive grace from God, but the calling is actually to build peace with one another so that that peace exists within God's community. But how do we do that? What are some of the things? Well, I believe we need to understand the difference and the combination and the power of both unity and diversity because the combination of unity and diversity within the body of Christ that equals community and God wants a healthy and functioning community living in the world so that it actually impacts the world for Christ because unity without diversity without the acceptance of difference by itself actually is just uniformity God doesn't want uniformity it's not unity is not sameness Similarly, diversity without unity is just individualism. It's just difference. But the combination of unity plus diversity equals this great thing called community, and we do this together. So I believe we need unity on the core basics, but diversity of gifting and preference, and that's okay. I heard a recent podcast with T.D. Jakes, a great man of God in our current world. And he says this, that we actually do need healthy and vigorous conversation. However, that conversation should be both thoughtful and compelling, not loud and irritating. Thoughtful and compelling, not loud and irritating. And so, if we, and we need healthy engagement, healthy, vigorous conversation in order to understand our differences and to work through some of these issues that we're currently facing. So here's a couple of, just a few tips, I believe, 
on how to to patiently endure and how to continue to work with one another and understand one another. Number, number one, I believe we need to listen. I mentioned it before. I believe this is a season where our level of listening needs to be higher than it ever has before. Listen. Number two, to seek to understand. To seek to understand. I believe that's by asking questions. I believe that's by going, what, what, is, what are you actually saying? And we listened and understood. And the third thing is to first find agreement on the, base, on the basics. To discover what is foundational orthodoxy. What is it that we all believe? What are the basics of the gospel? Let's find agreement. The rest is just up for grabs. The rest is preference. But once we agree on the basics, then we can understand what unites us as God's divine family on the earth. So hopefully uh, these thoughts and encouragements from the book of James help today. Uh, And I just believe that we can live in greater wisdom as we seek it, in greater wisdom as we desire it, and as we really try to grow in this area of growing in God's heavenly wisdom. So wonderful being with you today. God bless you, and let's just pray together as we finish in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for everyone listening today that the presence of God, that the Spirit of God would fall on them, And God, that your comfort, strength, that your grace and mercy and your great anointing would travel through this screen into every listener. And I pray, God, that your presence would bring that great peace in Jesus' name. God, I declare in in a world right now that is full of turmoil, that internally we would discover your peace and your presence. And we would outlive that with wisdom and grace into our relationships, into our church community, and within the community we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. So wonderful being with you today. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.